a few moments, I'm going to uh, speak from the book of Joshua, chapter 5. If those of you with the Bible want to find, find that. I'm going to talk about today how to occupy uh, your life, really. How to occupy what God has, has given to you already. When I was about 14 years old, you know, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I never went to church. Completely a secular person. And I had a, a dramatic conversion and just saw the light, as it were, through a school teacher. And after I'd been a Christian for a while, I was still quite young. I went on a mission trip to Germany to an American military base in Kaiserslautern. And I wanted to do an outreach to the American military through our church connections there. And uh, me and my friend, Paul Lees, now the best thing I can tell you about Paul Lees, Paul was a great Beatles fan. And we used to just listen to the Beatles all the time. For those of you who don't know what the Beatles is, Google it after church, okay? And we used to listen to the Beatles a lot. And me and Paul, we went on mission together. And we got down to Dover and to get on the ferry and I'd got my passport and Paul started checking his pockets and his rucksack and everywhere and he'd not got his passport with him so we weren't allowed on the well I was but I waited behind with him and we thought what shall we do Paul said I've got some money we'll just buy another passport we'll go to the post office and get one of those uh, one year travel card things that you could do in those days so he filled out all the form and it came to the place where it said signed by a parent or guardian and I thought to myself well on this trip Paul I'm your brother I will be your guardian and I'll just sign as being the guardian and uh, the lady behind the counter said if you sign that, I'm calling the police because I know that you're not his guardian. <laughs> so what happened was, is eventually Paul called his dad, John, and John looked upstairs and there was Paul's passport on his bed. So John got in his car, drove all the way from Stoke-on-Trent, which is 40 miles north of here, all the way down around the M25, and in those days that wasn't so easy, and right down through uh, Guildford, through East Grinstead, right down to Dover. And he came and brought Johnny's passport. He bought us a hotel for that night so we could sleep in uh, a travel lodge. And the next day we caught the ferry and we went off and did our mission. And we went, yes, come on, God. We've done our mission. We're stepping out for you, God. We've done it. And Paul's dad was going, well, actually, boys... If it wasn't for me, you wouldn't have done your mission. You see, we were young men in transition. We were moving up to something, but we needed some support to do it. We weren't quite ready to move into all what we could do. I have a little discernment about you guys. And some of you, can I speak as if I've been kind of in your home and in your thoughts? Some of you have felt like things are changing and it's different and you feel a little bit uncomfortable. And I've come by to tell you today that many of you are in transition. Now, not a bad transition. Actually, with me and Paul, it was a good learning thing for us and we were going on mission and we were growing and stretching. 
I want to say to you today that God has sent me by almost to say to many of you, you're in transition. And that uncomfortable feeling that you are feeling is because you're in transition, but it's a good transition. It's not something that you need to worry about, but it's something that you need to go with and move with. Let me read you where the children of Israel or the nation of Israel, that they were in transition. Here in Joshua chapter 5, verse 7, it reads like this. Talking about Joshua. So he raised up, talking about the Lord, sorry. So he raised up their sons in their place, and these were the ones Joshua circumcised. And they were, still, uh, they were still uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way through the wilderness. And after the whole nation had been circumcised, they remained where they were in that camp until they were healed. There's a time to pause and stop and wait till healing comes. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of the Egyptians from you. So the place that has, this has been called is Gilgal to this day. On the evening of the 14th day of the month, while camped at Gilgal on the plain of Jericho, the Israelites celebrated the Passover. And the day after the Passover, that very day, The Bible actually emphasizes something happens. The day after the Passover, that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land, unleavened bread and roasted grain. The manna stopped the day after, and there was no longer any manna for the Israelites. But that year, they ate the produce of Canaan. The context of this story in the Bible is, is that Israel are moving into their assignment. They are going to occupy that which God has for them. And if you looked in the first part of chapter 5, you will notice that all the Canaanite kings who were in Canaan, they are all absolutely shaking with fear, melting with fear, the Bible says, because they, they know that God is on the move and that God's doing something. You feel often that what you're doing isn't that good, but let me say to you that you've already got a great victory in Christ. He has already done wonderful things for you that we need to intentionally stop and pause and say, you know what, God, despite everything that's been going on in my life, I thank you that you died on the cross for me and you have brought me over out of my old life. Can I hear an amen, church? You know, and so... What they did here was, is they crossed over the River Jordan miraculously, and you were miraculously saved, and then they intentionally paused, they'd been told to do this, and they had a worship time. Now, historically, I've got many devotion times, and I can look back on many times I've rededicated my life, and they could look back. 
But the, the, what God wanted with them was a current and a present devotional time where he could say, stop and remember who I am. I want to say to you that historic devotion is fine and encouraging, and there's many historic kind of giving yourselves to the Lord in this room right now, but I want to call you to an absolute today rededication. I first uh, got this message by doing a um, rededication of someone's marriage. Their marriage was fine. It was wonderful. And they said, Pastor Mark, could we be friends enough that you would rededicate our marriage with these vows? And they intentionally stopped and said, our historic marriage is fine, but we're just saying stop. And I want to say to you today, stop and realize that God has done great things for you. Whether you've been saved five minutes or many years, or even if you're not a Christian yet and you're just thinking about God, he has already been blessing you and he wants to fill your life even more. And I believe that worship, as we pause and worship, it begins to... uh, Take out the heaviness of life. That actually, life can be heavy enough, but as you worship through, through even your difficult times, then God sets you up to receive even more from him. So let me encourage you this week to worship. To begin to say, well, God, I am going to keep my heart open to you in, in worship so that I can begin to receive more and more for you. So they paused and had this intentional gratitude. Now, I want you to notice what's going on. They pause and celebrate the Passover And in Leviticus 23, it tells them that you've got to uh, do the first fruits. And that's what they did here through the grain offering and so on. But when they worshipped, and as they began to say, well, God, we're coming into what you are uh, bringing to us. Here's what happened. Something that had happened to them regularly, over and over again, something they were used to, stopped And a new way of providing for them started. Can you imagine that for the whole generation, they've been receiving this miraculous manna, this heaven food coming down. And every single day, every day, apart from on the Sabbath day, every day the manna came and they just picked it up and ate it. Can you imagine that? You go to your front door Or in your garden, and there's a bag of groceries there. And it's the same bag all the time. You know, I mean, it says in the Bible that their clothes didn't even wear out in the wilderness. And I I think I would have found a different way of wearing them at least. But God is transitioning them. But let me ask you this. Is it a bad transition? Is it a transition where he says, I'm providing you this food... Or you can partner with me and produce more food than just fulfilling your need. But now you can actually reap a harvest and have more variety. You can begin to uh, grow lots of different things and you begin to provide for everyone else. 
What type of Christian are you where you want, God, just give me the manna for me every day, for me every day, for me and my family. I just want me for my family. Or do you want to be the sort of Christian that says, I would like to be able to partner with you, God, and be a co-laborer with you so that I can now produce a harvest and grow much more than just receiving my parcel each day. So there's a transition going on from being just a a simple receiver to someone who can partner with God and work with him and actually occupy the assignment that God has given him. I must admit, it's lovely, isn't it, when when God just blesses us and gives and, and just dumps something in our lap. And that's great, and he'll do that. Please, don't get the impression today that I'm going to give you this heavy message where now you've just got to work and work and work. I'm not saying that. I mean, just notice that after this time, there are fantastic miracles in the book of Joshua. The sun even stands still at one battle. So I'm not taking the miraculous out of it and making it all work. But I want to ask you, what type of person do you want to be? Do you want to be the person that says, well, God, feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me? Or do you want to be the sort of person that says, provide for me, but I want to partner with you so I can produce lots of things in my life? Now, there are times when God wants to just feed us. But I think God wants to transition us. I think God wants to transition your life. I think God wants to transition our church, certainly. And, and, you know, but I think He wants to transition you into your life so that you can receive more, but in partnership with Him. And I just want to describe to you how you occupy that with God. I'm going to describe four processes to own what God has provided for you in Christ and to own what God has placed in you. Just put the next slide on. I'm going to talk to you about four processes that you will have to do in order to occupy this new way of receiving from God. Now let me just pause. You're in transition. I feel it in my spirit. But I say to you in the Lord, it's a good transition. It's a going up transition into partnership and ownership and more responsibility but a good thing of settling into where God wants to take your life. Can you hear an amen? Can you receive that? Some of you are feeling really uncomfortable and you felt it for a while. I feel a bit like Morpheus in the Matrix right now. You felt it all your life. Oh, it's probably too an old film for many of you. But you felt it inside. God, you're doing something. I'm not quite sure what you're doing. Can I give some language to those thoughts? I'm transitioning you, says the Lord, to a new way of receiving and partnering with me. Can you receive that? Four processes of how you occupy that which the Lord is giving you. Number one, battle. You're going to battle. Then you're going to settle. You're going to work. And then you have fruitfulness. Can we just go through those really quickly? 
First way that Joshua settled the land was battle. In fact, straight after this chapter, there's a massive battle in the battle of uh, Jericho. But was that really a battle by just strife and effort? Or was that a battle well, of obedience and seeing what God could do? You see, our battles are not just about struggle and fight, although the, the New Testament definitely said our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. But our battles are miracle-type battles whereby we become more of what God wants us to become as opposed to us just getting more of what we need. Can I say that again? Our battles are about us becoming more of what God wants us to become as opposed to us holding out for just more of what we think we need. God has a plan for you and he has some miraculous breakthroughs for you but nevertheless, you are going to have to learn to battle. One of the ways that we battle is learning to wait on God in prayer one of the ways that we battle is learning to manage some of the internal struggles that we've been having for a long time. Now, I don't know how 2018 was for you, but just think back and perhaps after this service, reflect what kept cropping up in your life that you thought was difficult. Some of those internal things that you think, you know what, I, I, I can't seem to get past that. Well, now it's time for you to say, I'm going to address that. I'm going to face that. And next week, I'm going to teach you how to battle more. But the first way of battling is to decide, I'm not putting up with this. It's an internal battle. It's not about personality, by the way. Some of your personality, that's your personality. And, and in every personality, there's a, there's a weak side of a personality. There's a, there's a thing that needs to be graced and, and helped. And there's a strong side of a personality. Every one of us have got a, a strong side and a weak side. In your weaker side, can you say to God, God, I, I'm just struggling with this. And I want your grace now. And those recurring things that you begin to own them and begin to say, I am going to battle on that until I've got it graced. There are some things that you'll always struggle with, but in the struggle you'll win. The other battle that we often have is priorities. Some of you are so gifted. You can do so many things. But God is going to move you up by you battling for your right priorities. Paul said in the New Testament, this one thing I do. I, I, I am going to just keep my focus. Jesus, in Luke chapter 9, set his face like a flint towards Jerusalem. In the NIV it says, he resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Some of you will need to reorder your priorities because you're trying to fit everything in your life and everything means nothing. So you're going to have to battle for your priorities. And there are some internal healings that you're going to have to say, I have dealt with this for years upon years, and this is the year I'm bringing it to you, God. And some of you are going to have to say, I, I can do lots of things, but God, I am doing not this, 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 and this. I am doing this and this, and that's it. 
And you're going to have to battle through in order to own what God wants to do in your life. The second process is settling. Now, we often preach that we're not settlers, we're pilgrims. And, and that preaching's great. But can I just encourage you today about the lack of rootedness in our society? That it seems like we worship at the God of choice and option. And it's fine. I am so pleased there is so many more types of bread now than when I grew up. Like if you had Hovis and white, you were lucky. You know, now I'm just really pleased that you get lots of choices. I get lots of choices. But it seems to me we've translated that to almost a belief that our life is out there somewhere and that we never settle anywhere. In the Lord, I want to say to some of you, unpack your boxes at home and live and settle. Let me take you to another part of history in the uh, people of Israel. They were in the land, and as you know, through disobedience, they got moved out of the land. And we always quote Jeremiah 29, verse 11, which says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to give you hope and plans to give you a future. And we forget that Jeremiah, chapter 29, was written by Jeremiah in the land of Babylon, whilst the people were actually out of the promised land. And this is what it says, Jeremiah chapter 29. It says, this is what the Lord, uh, from verse 4, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all of those I carried from exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons uh, and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters and increase in number and do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray for it uh, to the Lord because if it prospers, you too will prosper. For some of us, we need to occupy and do what Joshua did. He drew boundaries, he drew borders, and he said, Judah, this is where you need to live. Manasseh, this is where you need to live. Gad, this is where you need to live. Dan, this is where you need to live. Asher, this is where you need to live. And can I just say to you, what sort of a plant can produce fruit if it's not rooted The reason why many of us, and myself included, sometimes don't produce everything is because we've not sunk our roots down and settled deeply into Christ and deeply into a church home and deeply into relationships and deeply into ministry and rooting ourselves, settling ourselves, so that our stem and our branches can flourish with everything that God's bringing us to. Joshua didn't just go to the land and then just say, oh, we'll just walk around. They settled it. They parceled it out. Jeremiah said to the people of Israel, build. Make something happen. Become rooted. Settle down. 
establish relationships, even deeper relationships that find marriage partners. Increase. Everybody wants to increase, and we think we increase by flitting from here and there. You increase by sinking your roots into something. And this is countercultural preaching. Because we're all looking for the brighter and the newer day. God wants to give you that day. And one of the plans that he has is by settling, becoming rooted. And then we pray and worship and create a spiritual atmosphere. I want to go on to number four, but just briefly. If you want to occupy what God has given you, what happened to Joshua was, is they began to work the land and they began to work and create the change that you wanted to see. Can I say that again? If you're going to occupy, you've got to create the change that you want to see. So you think there's something in BCC that needs to happen, why don't you begin to start making it happen? If you begin to think about your workplace... And you think, well, this would be better if this could happen. Why don't you make that happen if you can? You see, in your ministry, if you want something to happen, guess what? God is calling you to make that happen by his grace. Now, all of this is by his grace. If you've got a Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter 19. Because lastly, to occupy And it's here where I want to come into land. You're going to have to look at your fruitfulness of what you're doing and increase it. Luke chapter 19, and we'll look at verse 11 in a minute. Can I I say to you, and this isn't in a critical way, this is in a compassionate way, that we often labor at things where there is little fruit. And we need to look at our fruit and begin to invest where our fruitfulness is. Now, I just want you, after this service, to think about 2018, something that you did over and over and over again, and actually, in England, we say flogging a dead horse. You, you, were, you were doing it because you thought you should do it, and you were doing it and doing it, and there's no fruit there. The Bible says, and Jesus clearly teaches, that we are to be fruitful people. As we remain in him and by him, it's not by our effort and strife. As you root yourself in God, fruit comes. Now, where are the areas in your life where you can see fruit? And if you think to yourself, I can't see any fruit, you need to begin to step back and say, God, as I root in you, let me begin to see where you want me now to operate because God wants everybody to be fruitful. Every single person in this room, he wants to multiply your life. We need to produce spiritual fruit in God, spiritual fruit in the church, spiritual fruit in your life, spiritual fruit in your street, spiritual fruit in your workplace. We need to increase the influence of the kingdom of God. Everybody look at with me to Luke chapter 19. And we'll look at verse 11. This is the parable of the minas. And we often get it confused with the parable of the talents. I'm just going to read half of it. Jesus, after he has healed Zacchaeus of all of his greed, he tells this parable. While they were still listening to this, he went on to tell them 
a parable because he was near Jerusalem and the people had a false belief. This was their false belief. They thought, the Bible says, that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. So Jesus wanted to correct some thinking and some false theology. That it's all going to happen at once. You see, they had a manner type mindset. God, just feed me. God, just come and do it for me. And Jesus is saying, I actually want to partner with you as a steward. Let me teach you how to do it. He said, a man of noble birth went on a, to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. Now, what Jesus is doing here is using actually a historical situation. Herod the Great had passed on and Archelaus, his son, wanted to be appointed king at this time. And he went away and got himself appointed as, as king. But the Jews protested against this and caused an uproar and a riot so that he never came back. And what Jesus actually does is compare himself to Archelaus and says, you're treating the Son of God like you're treating this Roman uh, tetrarch king. And that's why this parable offended them so much. It's like me saying, hey man, you're treating me like, like a villain in our history. And all the Jews listening would be saying, hey, hang on a minute, that's like our killer. Does he think that we think that about what God is like? And, oh. So it really sets them up. But listen, let me, let me just get to the heart of what this parable means. So a man of noble birth went to a distant country to try and have him appointed to the king and then to return. So he called ten of his servants and gave them ten minas. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. But his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him and said, we don't want this man to be our king. And he was made, he was made king, however, and returned home. And then he sent for the servants whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. The first one came and said, Sir, your mina, not my talent, your mina has earned ten more. Well done, my good servant, this master replied, because you've been trustworthy on a small matter, take charge of ten cities. The second came and said, Sir, your mina has earned five more. His master said, you will take charge of five cities. You're going to occupy some responsibility. It's different than the parable of the talents. Then another servant said, Sir, uh, I've got a terrible mindset about you, and so I've, put just, I've not used this. I've just laid it away and sat on it. And then he judges that servant. Can I just point out some things about this parable for you? This parable tells us, we are told specifically to show that we're waiting for the kingdom of God, that we are to be stewards of what God has given us, that we're partners. And unlike the parable of the talents, where people get different amounts, somebody in the parable of talents gets 10 and somebody else gets 5, everyone gets the same here. 10 people lined up and 10 minas are given and everyone gets one. 
One doesn't get ten and another doesn't get five. Everyone gets one. Can I encourage you? You've got something. You have something from God. You've not been missed out. Can I hear an amen? (laughs) Thanks for the amen, Sheila, but you've not been missed out. You're in that ten group and God has said, let me give you this. You didn't earn it, but you can now spend it. You've got it. You might be looking at the person next to you where you're thinking to yourself, man, they're super talented. I wish I was as spiritual as them. I haven't got much. And God said to you, I've given you something. Every single person in this room, God's given you something. And one of the ways that we occupy and multiply is we understand that we've been given something in God. Now in verse 13, in the King James Version, it says, occupy until I come. In the modern translations, it says, put this money to work until I come back. It's from a Greek word called pragmatoiomai, where we get the word pragmatic from. And this is the only time it's used in the New Testament, and it means to be occupied in trading. It means to be about business, to gain by trading, to be engaged, to whatever you've been given, use it. It means it's about how responsible you can be with what you've been given. Have you been given something? Then God's only asking you, hey, even if it was by grace and you don't feel worthy, just use it. Even if you use it in a, in a weak way, use it. Be willing that you'll interact with the good things that God has sown into your life. It's about taking every opportunity to extend the kingdom through you. That you have not been missed out. In fact, the New Testament says, be very careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because these days are evil. I just want you to note What I noted earlier, that when these people report back to the master, they don't say, look what I've done. They say, sir, your mina has earned this. That which you deposited in my life by grace, because it was from you, was so attractive, I've been able to trade with it. I don't know how these people went around, but they said, Look, we've got this special coin here from the master. And, and, if, and if you buy this uh, and, and I'll sell you that, then you, we could partner in this and, and we could influence each other in this. I don't know quite how they did it. But what they did was, is by the grace that was deposited in them, they used it. I'm simply saying this. Now listen, stay with me. Be engaged. Stop operating on automatic Christian mode. Every single week, God has a divine opportunity for you, for you to bless somebody by grace from your life and from your ministry. He's already deposited good things in your life. Stop being a manner person that wakes up in the morning and says, oh God, what are you going to give me today? But wake up there every morning and say, God, we're in partnership today. Produce a harvest in me and let me bless somebody else. Amen. Because you'll occupy by being fruitful.
You see, we've all been given something. In fact, 1 Corinthians 12 says this, just as the body, the one, has many parts, but all its many different parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we've all been baptized by one spirit as to form one body, whether we are Jews or whether we're Greeks or whether we're Nigerians or Kenyans or English or Scottish or Irish or Australians or Zimbabweans or Romanians or Bulgarians or Germans or Russians or whoever else is in this house today. Our worship team was Nigerian, Nigerian, Italian, uh, West Indian, British. I don't know what they were, you know, but we were all... Whoever we are, this is what the Bible says. Whether you're slave or whether you're free, we have all been given one spirit to drink. Every single one of you has a deposit of the Holy Spirit in your life. And what the parable of the meaners is teaching is, you've been given something, so use it, trade with it, invest it, share it, bless other people with it, and God will bless you. That's how you occupy your life. Some of us, and and I'm sure there's nobody in this room, but perhaps I'm speaking about some theoretical person, has sat on their hands and said, oh God, I can't do anything. And God's saying, get up, I'm transitioning you up, I'm lifting you up so that you can move into a new level and use that which God has given you. Come on, let's give the Lord praise for what he's given us. Because we need to occupy. Not just to keep praying for supply. Because God, out of his glorious riches, will supply everything you need in Christ Jesus. It's time for us to say, that which you have given me, I have used it, and now, Lord, you have multiplied it. Oh, man, I pray when I get to heaven or wherever, or God comes back or however it works. That's another Bible study. You know, I just hope God gives me five cities, tens. I wonder if I can get 20 cities. I wonder if I'll be over Birmingham. You know, I wonder what your city's going to be, Dan. Dan, I think you're going to get Chicago. (laughs) You know what, pal? I just just feel you're going to get Dudley. (sighs) (laughs) Kathy, Paris. Paris. I don't know what those... You know what? I just want to be as open to God... So that he can fill me with fruitfulness in this life and the next. Don't you? Come on, let's stand together, shall we? And I'm going to ask the worship team to come back. So here's my conclusion. You can keep saying, if you like, God supply, God supply. And that's fine. God will, he will supply. But why don't you pray, God, can I partner? Can I become more mature? Can you invest with your life that God has given you? Just put the last slide on there, yeah. Question for you. 
this week as you battle, are you going to face it and make a decision this week? You may not win the battle this week, but why don't you make a decision to say, I'm going to face that this year. You know, shyness is not wrong. Personality is not wrong. But if that shyness stops you serving God, why don't you say, I'm going to face that this year. If you filled your life with so many priorities that you've got no time for anything in God, why don't you say, I'm going to battle that priority this year. Why don't you say in settling, I'm going to get involved. I'm going to stop being the person at work that comes dead on time and leaves on time and never talks to anybody. I'm going to engage and share my life. Why don't you begin to say about your church, I'm going to settle, I'm going to put roots down, I'm going to stop looking for the perfect church. When you find it, please tell us all about it because we'll rush in there and make it imperfect so you have to come back. Why don't you settle? Why don't you decide and say, you know what, you know what I think about my home? Me and Kathy, we we try our best with our home. But my home's not perfect. There are some things that I want to add to it. My church is not perfect. There are some things I want to add to it. But let me tell you something. It's home. Why don't you come home and decide to get involved and build something? This week, why don't you say, I'm going to seek opportunities to share and invite. I'm going to try and be the change and make the change. And in our fruitfulness, you may have to leave behind some things that you've been flogging for a while that's been an interest of yours, but there's no fruit there. Why don't you engage with the opportunities that God is placing before you and say, God, I'm going on a faith walk here. Move to fruit. I totally believe that our church is in a good transition to going up a level. Amen. Can you receive that? Are you with me on that? Would you, do you want to go up a level with me? Can I hear an amen from everybody? Not just because I'm asking you, but because you want to. Amen. But I just felt in the spirit today to say to one or two of you as individuals and not about the church that you feel a little bit uncomfortable in your life and it's not a bad thing God's bringing you up a level and so I tried to serve you today by trying to teach you of how to move up that level it's going to take battle I don't know a tree that isn't rooted that produces fruit trees that get uprooted and planted and planted and planted they don't produce they just are ornaments don't be an ornament be a tree settle you're going to have to work but it's work from grace and you're going to have to multiply so I'm asking you this week whatever you feel God's given you if you can pray pray we can all encourage God's given you something you've not been missed out Engage with God, engage with others and trade it.
Holy Spirit. You know, I just feel like, just right now, for those of you who feel like, you know, I am in transition. And I didn't know it until Pastor Mark even said it today. And I would like to give that transition to God so that I'm a worshiper during that transition. If you feel like you're in transition and you would like to go up a level. Now listen, I've not said this is a bad transition. This is a good thing. If you're in transition today, I want you to move from the seat where you're standing right now and just come and dedicate that transition to God. Who's going to be first? You just say, yeah, I I would just say I'm in transition. I'm going to give that to God. You see, we often want transfer instead of transition. God wants to fill your life. Bless you. Yeah, just keep coming. Just keep coming. God wants you to, he wants to protect you and shepherd you during this time of transition. Just keep coming, it's fine. Now don't mistake transition for transfer. God may deepen you even in the same place, but he just gives you a new mind. Just come on forward. Just keep coming. There's more. There's even more folks who should be coming out. Because you you are in transition, you just don't want to admit it. Holy Spirit, we're just going to give this transition to God. We're going to sing a song as a prayer to God and let's all just worship together and then we'll just lead you just in a few declarations and that'll be our service. But, but I just want you to know some of you, even some of you out there, I know that you're in transition and God is saying, come up higher. Come up with me. Come up higher. I've got more for you. I've got more for you. You know what? When, when, in Judgment Day, I wonder if I'll get Lagos as a city for the Nigerians. I reckon I will. I'll be your ruler. Lift your hand with me. Say, God, I give you this season. Lead me up a level. Move me up a level. I think, I think our church is in transition. I think it's in a a good place and God's going to move us up a level. Just from your heart, doesn't matter whether you come out to the front now, just say, God, I give you this season and I welcome any transition. I want to go up the level. Thank you, Jesus. Should we put our prayers to music and sing together just for a few moments? Thank you.